the reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. We're finishing up our family trait series. Um, so um, if, you, if this is your first Sunday, you can go back and listen to the first two. Uh, they're really important. We do this series every year just to remind ourselves really our, of our identity and our purpose. Like who, who is Village? What does it mean to be part of this family? And what are we doing? Um, we've, here's our vision or our mission statement um, that we've kind of been unpacking. Uh, Village Church desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, each other, and our city of Belfast as we join God in the renewal of all things. Um, it's really, you can kind of, we've said, you can wrap that up in really in three words, really, in, in we've gospel, community, and mission. Um, that's what we can, that's what we do. That's what makes us who we are. Um, really, a mission statement really just is like, hey, this is who you are. This is what you do. Um, gospel, community, and mission is what we've been uh, uh, trying to unpack these three overlapping aspects of 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 who villages um, and it's been hard to to preach on these topics separately. Um, firstly, because they're just a, a talk about community. You're like, okay, well, the whole Bible is about community. Um, you can kind of make an argument that each of these elements are, are really the story of the Bible. Um, so the gospel, that Jesus event, the whole. All of Scripture points to that. It's the, it's the main point of the Scriptures. Uh, we learned last week from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the story of community, of God promised, fulfilling this promise to create for Himself a people that would be His. Um, you can also, from Genesis to, to Revelation, the, the Bible is the, the story of the missio Dei, or the mission of God. You see that in, even in creation and redemption and the renewal um, these three aspects all just intertwined. You can't really talk about one without bringing in the other two and, and talking about them, which is kind of the point. It's, it's why uh, we are a people of gospel and community and mission. These three elements overlapping, and when those all overlap, that's where we want to be. That's where the, this tangible kingdom of God is. And it's tangible for those who are kind of outside the kingdom to be able to look and see what God's kingdom is and, and, and what it looks like. 
Um, the gospel is everything to us. It makes us who we are. This in Christ, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, and we are given a new identity. You've been made into not strangers and aliens, but into God's household. The gospel shapes everything we do. It's the, the lens through which we see the world. Through the gospel, we saw last week, Jesus made us into a new people, uh, his community. Um, Jesus fulfilling that promise of giving us a new identity as the people of God. And that leads us naturally to the last element, which is mission. Because you can't really talk about the people of God without talking about the purpose of the people of God. And and that's all through Scripture as well. So um, go back to Genesis 1 if you have your Bibles. We started there last week. We're not going to do a whole uh, overview. But in Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 and 27, uh, we saw that God created man in his image. And he uses this communal language, um, created in our image, after our likeness. And we mentioned that that really shows us that humanity is meant to be communal, like God. God is communal. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. A communal God creating a communal people, a family who had known and experienced God alongside one another. But you keep reading and immediately straight after in the next verse, God gives this people that he's created a purpose. He gives them a mandate. We call this the cultural mandate in verse 28. Verse 27, God created man in his image, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything. So really what we see in the creation story is of all that God created, it's, it's humans Male and female, this humanity, he gives them alone this royal and a priestly status. They're created in his image. Really, he gives them this job to be his representatives on earth, his vice regents. They're going to represent God um, to go and to, to, to rule the earth, to cultivate it, to create culture, to be like their father who creates and, and, and fills the earth and flourishes, glorify him all along the way. God creates for himself a people who not only exist and experience him, but who go and represent him in creation. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but Genesis 3 happens, Adam and Eve, it all falls apart, this communal life with God and, and his people are, are, are broken, there's a separation, uh, that, that purpose of the people revealing who he is is kind of broken, uh, but God is committed to his promise um, so he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, it's through your family line that I'm going to mend this relationship. It's your family line that I'm going to reveal myself to the world again. Um, it's, that purpose is reiterated in Exodus 19 to Moses where God says to Moses, tell the people that you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. You're going to be my special people. And then he gives this special people a purpose. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is what God's people are meant to be, this royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. And what do priests do? Well, they, they represent God on earth. And Jesus eventually comes and fills that, fulfills that promise. It's through him, his work on the cross, that we are created into this new community, this church. But it's a people, the church is a people who not only then experience communion with God without that separation of sin, but they're, they're also a people who, who take on that purpose again of being this priesthood. But this time, it's not just uh, s- certain special ones that are representatives of God. It's everyone, from the least to the greatest. They're this royal priesthood now. 
this, this community who will together represent God, who will reveal God to the end of the earth. Um, we saw last week that it's, this is kind of like a here and not yet reality, and that, that, that through the cross, our, our sins are dealt with, that we have been uh, clothed in the righteousness of God. That is a done and dusted thing. The event has, 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 has done that. There's no taking that away. But we, we still experience that brokenness. There, there, there's still this, this yet-to-come perfection of this community. We, we look into Roman, uh, to Revelation 20, uh, 21 uh, that says man, that there's coming a time when, when God will walk among his people and, and wipe away every tear and, and sin and death will be done with forever. Jesus has risen from the grave. He's ascended to heaven. But in doing that, he says, I'm not finished with the renewal story yet. I'm not bringing this to completion yet. And the reason is because there's still more to be brought into the family. There's still people to be brought from, from death into life. We're told when Jesus returns, he will bring everything to completion. Satan and sin will be done away with forever, and those who have placed their faith in Jesus will rule with Jesus forever with him here on a sinless, perfect earth. God's people have a purpose, a mission, a a job to do. So really, you could say our mission statement in this way. Um, We desire to be a gospel-shaped community of people who fulfill our purpose by loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving our city as we join God in the renewal of all things. Those are the three main things we focus on. It's loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving our neighbor. Um, Turn over to Matthew 28. I want to look at this this purpose that Jesus gives his disciples before he goes to sit uh, on the throne. You've heard this. It's the Great Commission. It's this mandate that he gives his disciples before he ascends to heaven. A lot of scholars will say that that Genesis 1 cultural mandate and, and Jesus' uh, great commission, they're, they're both mandates to, for his people to go and represent him here on earth. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop there. Um, This is an incredible scene. And this is the risen Christ. And this is the the, the guy that they killed. That was killed on the cross, put into a grave, dead for three days, and then was rose again. This this God-man who broke the power of death. He defeated death. Um, and in this risen state, you see Jesus exercises absolute authority over heaven and earth, just showing his deity. And what a person to follow, what a person to give your life to. And he says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he says, go be my people, represent me here on earth. Um, Peter says, he describes the church in this way in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Peter gives this mission statement, this, this statement of this is who you are, this is what you do. He says, you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, this Old Testament promised language that is now the church's identity. He says, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. This is who you are. This is what you do. Go and proclaim his excellencies. That's the mission, um, to call people to commit their lives to Jesus, to proclaim what Jesus has done for us, the excellencies of him who's called us from darkness into the marvelous light. That's the gospel again. He's, he's, he's given us a new identity. He's called you from being dead to being alive in him, from being in the darkness to being in the marvelous light. He says, go share that gospel, that good news. There's more people to be brought in. Jesus says, go to his disciples. And notice some, when they're on that mountain, I love this. I think we often skip over this bit. Um, they are actually in his presence, and it says that they're doing what? They're worshiping him. We, 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 I, I think we ought to just jump to what Jesus says. Go and, and do this. But before that, they're in his, in his presence, the risen Christ, and they're worshiping him. Even though he says go, I guarantee you they didn't want to. I guarantee you this is where they want to be. And this is where we're meant to be. This is where we end up and get to Revelation 4. And the Apostle John has this vision of the throne room at the end. And and he, he has a vision of the lamb who was slain, Jesus, who was dead, but he's alive again. And he's being worshiped. And they're saying, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain who's now worthy of, of power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I guarantee you that's where his disciples want to stay, with the risen Christ worshiping him. We often say this gathering is meant to be a little taste of heaven in that way. It's meant to have a little, it's a little picture of what we'll do forever, gathered in God's presence worshiping him. Where Jesus says, we're not done yet. We're not at Revelation 4 yet. We're, we're here There's more people to be brought in. And he tells the disciples, go. Tell the world of my mercy and grace. Tell them what I've done of you. Um, I love this this tension between here and and what's to come. I think it's really important to to grapple with. Um, Paul does it in 2 Corinthians 5, in verses 1 to 5. Um, He describes this longing to, to be with Jesus. And he uses this metaphor of his, his life here on earth is like a tent, but his, his, his final home with God is like a house built by God himself. And he says, in the tent we groan, we long to be with God in our heavenly home. But in the meantime, Paul says, we have courage and we continue to carry on with our purpose. And verse 6, he says, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We should all kind of feel that. Um, But he says, um, uh, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's his aim, to please God. And verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Paul says, we want to be with Jesus, right? We, 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 we want to be in heaven worshiping him in his presence, enjoying his presence forever. That's, 
that's going to be better than what we're experiencing now. Now is a tent, there is this permanent house. Um, but Paul says, whether I'm here or there, my life's not my own. Um, my, my, my aim is to please him, not serve myself. We walk by faith, not by sight. He says, let's take courage and keep going, keep fulfilling our purposes here on earth. And he reminds us of that shocking truth that one day everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We don't like talking about that bit, but it's the truth that one day there will be this, this judgment, this separation between those who have placed their faith in Jesus and those who have not. Which is why he continues in verse 11, and because of that, that shocking truth, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Like, there's this urgency in the mission for Paul. We, we know what's, what's to come. We know how it ends. We know that there is this judgment. So he should have this, this in our hearts is this love to go and persuade those who don't know that, that gospel yet, those who haven't experienced that yet. Our hearts should have love for our lost friends and neighbors and family. So he says, therefore, we persuade others. And in verse 14, he really gives the motivation for this going and persuading. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. What does that mean? For the love of Christ controls us. And what is the love of Christ? How, how do we know Christ love, loves us? How does Christ demonstrate his love for us? It should all be kind of clicking in your mind. Should, you're thinking Romans 5. Well, God shows his love for us. He demonstrates and he proves his love for us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're back to the, the cross again. We're back to the gospel again. His love for us, what he's done for us on the cross is what controls us. It's what motivates us. Another way to say this is, well, we're gospel-shaped people. It, it's the gospel that, that shapes us and informs us and, and motivates us. And then Paul goes on to describe this again. He says that, that one died for many. So Jesus died in our place, and the result of that is that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. If you're in Christ, you've been given a new identity. You've been given a new purpose. You're now this, this priesthood. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. The gospel. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Making God, making his appeal through us. Okay, this, should, this should all be, just sound familiar by now. From Genesis all the way through Exodus and what he said to Moses. God making for himself a people who would represent him, who would be his. Who would reveal to him, the, the rest of the world, who he is. God making his appeal through us. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he gives a little picture of the gospel again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This great exchange. We are ambassadors for Christ. This has always been our purpose. God creating man in his image to be a royal priesthood, to represent him here on earth, to go and cultivate a people to whom and through whom he would make himself known. God making his appeal through us. 
You are an ambassador for Christ. You have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. And notice he says we in verse 20. That's really crucial. It's a really, um, really shapes who, who village is and, and, and how we do things here. That, that we are ambassadors to Christ. Not, not just some of us. Um, not just those who are paid to be. But, but we all are from the least to the greatest. Our purpose is to represent him. Our purpose as a, as a whole family, as a whole people, is to help build his, his kingdom, to, to, to glorify him by persuading others with the good news of the gospel, by inviting others to give their lives to Jesus. I'm guessing you've, you've all heard that before. Um, you've, you've heard those verses. You're, you're an ambassador for Christ. You know the Great Commission. Um, the big question always then is, why is it so hard? Why is sharing this gospel, this amazing news, you have been brought from death to life, this eternal identity change, why is that such a difficult, why is evangelism so difficult at times? There's, there's some reasons that are just part of our sinful nature, and so we, we still have pride in our hearts. I'm a proud person in my heart. Uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, that this message of the gospel that you've been entrusted with is foolishness to the world. They'll, they'll look at it with this as utter foolishness. So because I have pride in my heart, I, hey, I don't want to look foolish so I can maybe separate myself a little bit. There, there, it, that's a whole other sermon that we're not going to get into. This is death to self. Um, there's another reason that I want to talk about that um, I think we've made evangelism such a big task that we have to fit into our lives that we often just give up on it. We often just stop trying. Um, our lives are busy. They're hectic. I keep waiting for my life to slow down, but wisdom and, and getting older tells me that, does, that doesn't happen. Like things get busier. Things get more chaotic. You have more balls that you're trying to juggle in the air family, um, my work life, somewhat of a recreation. I've, I have my church, and then I have to fit in sharing the gospel with the world inside of in, 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 in my days. I want to uh, try to explain that that's a flawed understanding of what mission is, that it's just another thing that we have to fit into our busy lives. I want to read this quote from uh, the book Total Church. Um, Our conviction is that Christians are called to a dual fidelity. Fidelity to the core content of the gospel, accompanied by fidelity to the primary context of a believing community. There's two, or fidelity to the content of the gospel and the context of the believing community. To ignore or minimize either is not merely to hamstring the task of evangelism, it is to effectively deconstruct it. Um, let me explain what that means because it should be simple. When it comes to evangelism, really the, the core content that we're sharing is the gospel. We've talked about that. The gospel is this, this news to be proclaimed. It's a word to be, to be spoken. It's this, this message of reconciliation that we're bringing it, or that we're bringing. And the primary context that we do that in is within Christian community. Um, so we're equipped with two things for evangelism, the gospel word and the gospel community. 
the core content. Let's talk about the, that, the, the gospel word that is central to evangelism. Um, you may have heard that famous St. Francis of Assisi line, um, uh, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Um, I, get, I, I get what that is maybe trying to say. Maybe our actions should line up with that or whatever. A lot of scholars will uh, debate if he actually said that. But um, really, that, it's a nice little sound bite, but it, but it falls short of what the Bible teaches about this mission, this evangelism, um, because it teaches that it is a word to be spoken. It is a message to be delivered. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of, uh, through the word of Christ. So the word of Christ, is, is, it's, it's heard, and then faith comes. Jesus, in the Great Commission, he says, go make disciples, teaching them uh, to obey all I've commanded you. In Mark 1, Jesus, when he begins his public ministry, he begins it by proclaiming the good news of, of God. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're, you're a royal priesthood to do what? To proclaim the gospel, to proclaim his excellencies. The gospel is good news, a message to be proclaimed, a truth to be taught, a word to be spoken, a story to be told. It's essential to, to, to speak this news. But secondly, and, and very, very importantly, the, the gospel community is also central to evangelism. The gospel word and the gospel community are closely connected. The Word creates and nourishes the community, and the community proclaims and embodies the Word. And Jesus himself actually asserts the centrality of the gospel community in the evangelistic task before his final night on earth. Um, In John 13, this is the night before he's going to be crucified, he has his disciples, and he gives his disciples this new commandment. John 13, 34 it says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to, are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And I think this is another one of those examples where sometimes we just go straight to the, to the latter half of that. People are going to know you're my disciples because you love one another. But Jesus, before that, sets this, he talks about this, this deep love. You are to love one another like Jesus has loved, uh, loved us. You, you are to love one another in the same way and to the same extent that Jesus loves. I think sometimes we're, we're great at that. If these, we hear these examples of the way we are loving and caring for one another. And there's other times when we just fall flat, <laughs> fall short of it. Can often become short with each other, get frustrated, give in to gossip, choose to serve myself rather than to lay down my life for my friends. But you look at the love that Jesus had for his friends, it's a love that led him to the cross. I wonder what our community would look like if we loved each other to that extent. We're told this, this cross love is, is powerful. So Jesus says, when you love each other in that way, the, the, the rest of the world will look in and, and know that you're my disciples. And I'll read you this Don Carson quote. He, he talks about uh, the purpose of this mutual self-giving love. He says, the new command is not only the obligation of the new community to respond uh, to God who loved them and set them free by the offering of His Son. It is that. It is a response, but it's not only that. He says, neither is it merely their response to His gracious choice of them as His people. 
It is a privilege which, when lived rightly out, proclaims the, new, uh, proclaims the true God before a watching world. That is why Jesus ends his injunction with the words, All men will know who you are, that you are my disciples, if you love one another. He says, Before they are preachers, leaders, or church planters, the disciples are to be lovers. This is the test of whether or not they have known Jesus. Tim Chester, he, he, he comments on it as well. He says, it remains the case today that this cross love, that this cross-shaped love is the primary dynamic test of whether or not we have understood the gospel word and experienced its power. Not our doctrinal orthodoxy, as important as that is, not our ingenious strategizing, as fascinating as it is, not our commitment to preaching, as vital as that is, not our innovative approach to planting, as radical as that may be. It is our cross-love for each other that proclaims the truth of the gospel to a watching and skeptical world. Our love for one another, to the extent that it imitates and conforms to the cross-love of Jesus for us, is evangelistic. So the first two steps for evangelism is love Jesus and love your brothers and sisters Lay, give yourself to each other. Devote yourselves to one another. Lay your life down for your friends the way that Jesus did. When you do this, we're told the world will know. You're showing the world what, what Jesus' love is like. Paul, he talks about his ministry in this way as well. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, he's writing to the church and he says, So we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become very dear to us. So he's sharing, we love you so much. Here's this gospel message, the gospel word, but also here's our lives as well. Hear the gospel with your ears and experience the love that the gospel produces in your life. They go together. And you, you can probably think of certain forms of evangelism that are one of these or the other. So there's the, the kind of street preacher or door-to-door evangelist. I'm sharing God's word really without sharing our lives. And you can also think, I think this may be more pertinent to our situation. You can think of ways where we can share our lives with each other, with, with others, but without ever having the courage to, to speak that gospel message the Bible shows us that, that both are needed, that both go together. And this is why one of our core values is mission through community. It's a, it's a communal project. Um, it's not saying you can never share the gospel on, on your own. Like, take the, if you have the opportunity, take it, step out, be bold, trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. Um, but but evangelism, is, evangelism is done best in the context of gospel community. Who, who is, whose corporate life demonstrates the reality of the gospel. The gospel is on display in the community. And Christian community is a vital part of Christian mission. Mission takes place as people see our lives for one another. And Jesus, Jesus says the same thing in, in John 17, in his high priestly prayer. He's praying to the Father for his followers, both kind of present and future. So if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus was praying for you. He says, the glory that you have given me, he's praying to the Father, I have given to them, 
that they may be one even as we are one. That is incredible. The the unity, the the love that, that we are meant to experience is meant to be like Jesus' love and unity that he has with his Father, this perfect eternal unity. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one. And he, he says, this is why. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That there's, there's purpose to their love for one another. That the world will know that Jesus is the Son of God, sent by God to be the Savior of the world through the community of believers, through the church's love and unity for the brothers and sisters. It's because of our love for one another. God's love is on display not only on the cross, but also in the fellowship of believers. We need to be communities of love, but we also need to be seen as communities of love, which is really important. And also, can we just admit, it's really hard during a global pandemic. It's hard to, to, to be seen as communities of love because we can't gather as much as we, uh, we like to. Um, but we'd be creative and, and think of the opportunities um, to, to be seen as communities of love, to invite people in to experience that. Um, Sunday gatherings may be one. We always want this to be a, a place where, where uh, you experience that. It's probably more of like a, the gospel spoken uh, kind of thing. And you see a little bit of the, the interaction. But really, this is the, the reason um, we, we structure our church around missional communities. Um, communities, it's the church, not just gathered, but the church scattered out in the world. People need to encounter the church as a family, as a network of relationships, not a mere meeting. The church is family, and the church needs to be experienced as that family, not as a meeting. Mission must, must involve not only contact between unbelievers and individual Christians, but between unbelievers and the community of Christians, so that they can actually see the church in action. They'll see the unity we have, the self-giving love we have for one another. That, trust me, is so foreign to the rest of the world. You can kind of take it for granted. The church is a family to be seen as a community of love. And this even means missional communities don't get, don't get trapped into thinking that, that your missional community meets on a Tuesday night for your Bible study. That's good, it's important, study the Bible together, but that's not the point of missional communities, that's not the, 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 the core point of it. The, the core point of it is to be a community of love serving one another that others can be invited into to experience the, the gospel um, on display. What are ways that you can do that? The life of the Christian community provokes a response. Have you ever shared your faith with a friend and it's kind of fallen flat? They, haven't, they don't seem to be interested. The next step is to invite them into the Christian community. Come experience the, what, you're, what you're speaking in real life, real tangible kingdom. Let them experience the, the people of God loving and interacting with one another. We're told that the, the church, the people of God, is where God's presence is. You want people to, to, to experience God's presence? Bring them into the people. Come be with the people. 
Let our fellowship and our relationship provoke questions and persuade people further. And I just want to end by saying that there's, there's also real beauty and a real biblical beauty uh, of, the ch- of, of mission being a community project. It's not just something that, that each of you have to go out and do on your own. It's a, it's a community project. It's a family project. Have you ever felt that, like, oh, that, that, that guilt of, of evangelism? You talk about it, you're like, Flip, I haven't, I haven't done that in a while. I have. <laughs> um, and again, there's that pride in our hearts. We don't want to be maybe associated with this foolish message. We need to deal with that. Um, don't have time to, to go too deep into that. But there's this other ele- added element of, of awkwardness to it in that we're not all just great at everything. There's certain things that you're really great at. There's certain things that you're also really, it's not your gifting. Some of us are great with words. Some of us are not great with words. Some of us are more engaging than others. Some of us are, are great at thinking on our feet. Some of us are, are just bad at small talk. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what? Hear this. That's okay. That's okay. Here's the beauty of evangelism being a community project. It takes seriously the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in distributing a variety of gifts among his people. The beauty of evangelism being a community project is it takes seriously the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in distributing a variety of gifts among his people. So everyone has a part to play. The, the new believer, the, the introvert, the extrovert, the eloquent, the stuttering, the awkward. I may be the one who began a relationship with my neighbor, and, but, but in introducing them to the community, it might be someone else who, who, who has that gospel conversation with them. It might be someone else that, that shows them what, what real hospitality looks like. Paul talks about this in Romans 12. You're all members of one body, but, but you're, you're, you're gifted in different ways. You're just, you're just members of one body. If evangelism is a community project, our different gifts and personalities can complement one another. It's what body parts are meant to do. Some of us are great at striking up new relationships. Some of us are great at showing hospitality. Some of us are great at initiating gospel conversations. Some of us are great at confronting heart issues. You're discerning. You're sensitive. It's the beauty of mission through community. We've been gifted in various ways. I, I don't want to take away this. I, I think we all should be bold in, 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 in our approach to proclaiming the excellencies. I think we should all be able to, to give a reason for the hope that we have. But I think one of the major mistakes we've made individual Christians feel like they have to master every part of evangelism. You have to do it all. You have to engage and and create that conversation. You have to know all the answers. You better know all the scripture because you need to be able to answer all the questions. Have you had that, that prayer with them? You have to get them over the finish line. And if you've never done that, then you should feel guilty. You've been sent by Jesus to do it. We've made evangelism such a daunting task that most of us don't even attempt it. 
But listen to me, Christian. You are an ambassador of Christ. You have been brought from death to life. You've been brought into the family of God, this household of God. But you are only one member of it. God has gifted his people in a plethora of different ways. And it's when we are together, when we are loving one another and serving one another like Jesus did, each of us doing our part, each of us leaning into our gifting, that's when the world will see who Jesus is. Love Jesus, love each other like brothers and sisters, be devoted to one another, and, and love your neighbors in your city of Belfast. It's, we've put it in that way on purpose. You are gospel people. You are saved by grace, not by works. You didn't earn your salvation in the first place. You cannot earn God's favor through mission. Rest in that grace. Live in that grace. Let that grace grip you. Let the love of Christ control you. Love Jesus firstly. Abide in him. That's, why we talk, that's your number one priority every day to be with him, to abide with him, to be in his presence. He says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this task of mission, all of that we're talking about is useless. You cannot do it apart from Jesus, he says. You want to be empowered? You're a branch that needs to stay connected to the vine. He's the one who will empower you. Be with him. Love him. It should be your top priority. That's why it's, we're making it one of our kind of vision values for the next three years. When you're abiding with him daily, the rest should flow from that. We, we should like, look like that, that church in Acts 2 who's devoted to one another, who loves one another. We're so gripped by the gospel that, of course, we'll be devoted to another. Of course, we lay down our lives for our friends because Jesus did for th- that for us. Of course, we don't hold on to our stuff and say mine. Of course, we care about the well-being of others Of course we want to to talk about Christ's love, what he's done for us. We want to proclaim those excellencies. And when we invite the world into that community to see Christ's love for us, and that's when the gospel is, is in seen in real, tangible ways. We desire to be a gospel shaped people, a community of people, a family who love Jesus, who love each other. And then we love our city of Belfast as we join God as he renews all things. We look forward to Revelation 21, but in the meantime, we have a purpose. Um, let's stand and we'll worship and eat and pray. Jesus, why you choose to to use us to be your people, I don't know why. We know us. We know how messed up we can be. We know how imperfect we can be. But you've entrusted us with your message, Lord. You've made us to be ambassadors of you. Uh, we want to take that, that role seriously, Lord. Uh, forgive us when, when we don't take it seriously. Uh, forgive us when we do start to make it our aim to please us rather than you, to serve us rather than you. 
And Lord, keep our eyes fixed on the end. Give us this, this, this vision for 10,000 years from now, Lord. May what we are going through now um, just seem like a little temporary blip in history. And we want to, to, to take our time here, Lord, and, and represent you well, to love each other well, to show the world who you are, what you've done. We thank you for your grace as we work this out. We thank you that we can come to the cross again and thank you that you've clothed us with your righteousness. Wow. Uh, give us a vision, Lord, for, for how to do this in a better way, how to continue to grow, to take the next steps. We're not perfect. Um, we haven't done things perfectly as a church, um, but we want to follow you better. We want to love each other more. So um, continue to raise up leaders, Lord. Continue to, to help us to serve well and to keep our eyes on, on you, Lord. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.